On June the 3rd, 1965, a brand new Rolls-Royce was delivered in England. It was a Phantom 5 model fitted with a limousine body and finished in a Valentine's black. The car was delivered to John Lennon, the Beatle. Some years later, I think it was 1967, Ringo Starr said, why don't you paint it in psychedelic colours? They did that and a tradition, well, a tradition, a point in history had been reached. Was it significant and where does it leave Rolls-Royce's image then and what are they doing now? Well, who better to talk about that than our good friend Paul Morell, ex of the marketing game, been around for a while in the motoring, uh, road testing and reflecting and commenting game. Paul, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, David. That was quite a quite an introduction. <laughs> I really should have prepared something, shouldn't I? (laughs) (laughs) I thought the reason you were having me comment on John Lennon's Rolls Royce is that I was the only person you knew who was old enough to be there at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. I I wondered what your children's response to it was. Now, (laughs) the, (laughs) the point, you remember it at the time. Did you think it was an act of rebellion? Oh, it was, it was. And it had, it had many kernel blimps in London and spluttering into their gin and tonics. They were absolutely <laughs> mortified that someone would would mistreat and disrespect a Rolls-Royce like that. You see, Prince Charles at the time had been given, or maybe a bit earlier, been given a little toy Aston Martin in the style of James Bond, I think, with all the bullets and, and shields and things and rotating number plates. So that was the more image of the youthful, but of course the Queen would have still gone round in stately cars. So it was really, as you say, a, a confrontation to the Conservative. Oh, it was. It really did hit the establishment quite hard. I mean, probably they didn't get upset about that as much as they did about the Beatles being given MBEs, but it was it was, must have been a close-run thing. Well, in fact, they went to get their MBEs in this car, but before it was painted in its colours. The interesting thing, if you look at the colours of it now, I find it less psychedelic and more paisley and sort of almost an Indian influence. I mean, it was hardly pictures of spirals and psychedelic from that point of view. To some degree, it's relatively conservative. It is. We look back on those things and they're quite different. I mean, normally common knowledge, common, common good sense would tell you that painting a car like that would probably destroy its resale value. But uh, in, in the case of John Lennon's car, I think it uh, enhanced it fairly hugely. Well, yes, that's interesting, isn't it? Yes, that it provides, it goes the, the other way. Well, of course, with the baby boomers now getting old and conservative and some of them moneyed up, they might well be able to buy this as memorabilia of their times. They'll need very deep pockets, I think. <laughs> Now, Rolls-Royce's image, I mean, where do they go? Because they had a great uh, celebration of the Phantom 8, I think, that came out, and they actually took this car along to it. So times change. We evoke our memories in our own particular ways. Well, as you said, very, very, very um, intelligently, as the baby boomers get older and they get more discretionary money to spend... They look back with a great deal of fondness on those things. We tend to forget the bad parts of the past and remember the good parts. So, yes, Rolls-Royce are, for once in their lives, moving with the times. No, they're not famous for their ability to sort of be right up to the moment. Uh, usually they're, they're, they 
tend to wait until things are proven before they take them on board. For example, they took, you know, General Motors's General Motors automatic gearbox. Eventually, they put that in the car when they decided that people wanted autos. So they have been a little, a little conservative, shall we say? Well, of course, it what, what Henry Royce and um, I'm trying to remember who was Rolls. Was it? the Honourable Charles Rolls? Charles, that was the one. Charles was the engineer. Royce was the marketer. Charles actually didn't invent a great deal of things. He just made them very, very well. Yeah, well, in fact, it was it's very similar with um, with Henry Ford. Henry Ford, if you look at it carefully, didn't really invent a great deal, but he found clever new ways to use someone else's ideas to successfully produce cars more economically. I mean, Henry Henry Ford, for example, didn't didn't invent, despite what people think, didn't invent the production line that had already been been developed overseas in in Europe and Scandinavia, as I recall, mm-hmm. uh, long before Henry long before Henry Ford took it on board. So yes, Royce. Rolls-Royce took a similar path. In fact, they're doing that now, that they're not going to go to hybrids. They'll go to full electric, but they're not going to rush because they're owned by BMW. They will wait until that's developed and it can produce the sort of luxury features that they're used to, which is, A, a big lumpy, well, lumpy car, heavy, let's say that. I think I'd really appreciate that comment, David. <laughs> <laughs> there goes my road test. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's done. <laughs> Can I just say, I just think the modern Rolls Royce is probably be some of the ugliest cars on the road. Yeah, I... Uh, you can disagree? I do. I, I mean, I don't find them ugly. I find them, I find them sort of not very, not very stylish. Uh, I think they could have been a lot, a lot more cleverly designed. But, um, you know, they're imposing, which I guess is, you know, the primary aim of the, the designer of a Rolls-Royce is to, you know, be as imposing as possible. And despite the fact that they've downsized some of their cars, you know, driving a Rolls-Royce still makes that statement. So they will continue to follow that path. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? You've got to make a statement doing it. Yet they're, they're doing things. They built a little dinky toy for the local hospital when in the shape of the Rolls-Royce. It sort of gave the children something to aspire to, to what the doctors had. Yes, well, I don't know about UK doctors, whether they can afford those sort of things. I know they certainly can here. Not for the NHS, perhaps, if they're working for that. They've just done a a series or some support of the Read to Succeed program, which is fronted by an MP, Nick Gibb. It's in Little Hampton, and he's a Minister for State for School Standards. Lovely stuff. I'm not condemning it by any means. Oh, no. It's an interesting area that they are trying to take on a more populous approach. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Car companies do have to change with the times, and the danger in that perhaps is that by changing with the times and trying to create a wider appeal, what they do is they dilute their their core market appeal. Mm. Mm. Um, we found that, for example, with Volvo, when Volvo, for example, decided to go out and, and try and be more popular to more people, and they discarded if you like their their attitude their belief their positioning as the safe car Saab did the same thing when they went and decided they weren't going to just appeal to roll neck wearing account uh, architects they were going to appeal to a wider company <laughs> the end result was that they didn't really appeal to anyone they lost their unique point in the market Citroen Citroen a uh, similar thing I guess uh, Citroen appealed to the, um, the the technically advanced the savvy the 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 Oh, early adopters, I guess we call them now. Uh, and then when they try to become all things to all people, 
the bottom line is they don't become very much to anyone. Um, I mean, in some ways, you could even talk about the Mitsubishi 380 having fallen into the same trap by trying to by trying not to offend anybody, they also didn't enthuse anybody. Paul, you stagger me that you can get a Mitsubishi 380 into a conversation <laughs> that started out about Rolls Royces. Yeah. You, you are an eclectic man of such broad coverage, and oh, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, but but the point remains there, doesn't it, that we are moving perhaps with climate change, for example, that conspicuous consumption in some ways is just booming. There's no question of that. Yet, have you got to have your foot in both camps? Have you got to show that you are not just the hoi polloi, that you reflect elegance rather than just grimy money? I don't know, David. Uh, It's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, now that we have these sort of global conglomerate car companies you would think that they could probably specialize even more than they have done in the past you could think that you know for example the bmw group could say okay bmw is the ultimate driver's car we'll make that a sporting sedan sporting coupe Hmm. model uh rolls royce which is part of the group is for the the absolute top end lots of wood leather and luxury so we can specialize in that but they don't seem to want to do that brand by brand. I mean, when you talk about conspicuous consumption, you're right, we are in an era of conspicuous consumption. Whereas during the Depression, for example, it was interesting that a lot of the car companies downsized their cars and made them less impressive um, because the people who owned them, who hadn't lost money in the Depression, but still could still afford to buy whatever they wanted to buy, didn't want to be seen as being overtly wasteful. So mm. they, they wanted to look less, less um, spendthrift. It's an interesting era, the way attitudes change to cars and attitudes change to the sort of cars we drive. Look at the image of Mercedes, and they've just brought out a ute. Yet Mercedes has vans and trucks. Yet from my time, it was always a an upmarket luxury car. Should we have a Rolls-Royce ute? Will that be the end game? It's interesting on that too. I mean, yes, the Mercedes-Benz Ute is a very interesting release. And yet I I always thought, and again, from a marketing perspective, I found it a bit strange that people, your plumber and your and your builder could also have a key ring with a Mercedes-Benz star on it. it I thought that would dilute the, uh, the exclusivity of the Mercedes-Benz brand, as would, I thought, the entry into, into lower cost market categories, but it doesn't seem to have affected the appeal of Mercedes-Benz. They seem to have retained that very successfully, which is um, a clever a clever piece of uh, achievement. It's a little bit like the cowboy, in a way, that buys his hats and, and shirts and that from Savile Row, that you, you are now creating an image but doing it with that wealth that allows you to almost play the game but you're doing it with style. You know what I mean? That sort of blokey yeah. sort of image, except that I just happen to have enough money to buy a Merc. I guess the local interpretation of that would be, say, R.M. Williams, for example. Oh. Um, I mean, the R.M. Williams range is not is not cheap at all. They're expensive and well-made clothings and shoes and whatever. And they're worn by urbanites as well as, 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 well as country farmers. So... You know, they've, they've spread their appeal across the range. And you could apply that, if you like, going back to cars, you could apply that to Jeep, for example. I mean, I hate to think... I mean, we know the Jeep is the most incredibly capable off-road vehicle, and yet 
you know, so many of them never go near a piece of off-road because people buy them for the image. MASH has a lot to answer for in some ways, doesn't it? (laughs) It does, it does. It created that idea of that utilitarian car. I I did a review of an uh, an, SUV the other day that said it will be live most of its life in an urban area but it will be for people who want to or who just dream of going on the adventure well that's yeah that's that's when people when car companies understand that and they do um that's where you go with them i mean volkswagen for example has just introduced i don't know whether you're aware of it a a travel blog on their website and the reason for that is that they recognize that people buy cars with this sort of i will buy this off-road vehicle and i will be sort of off into the flinders ranges and i'll be off into the into the wild blue yonder whereas the reality is what they're doing is delivering you know car loads of kids to the to the football and the cricket on the weekend uh, and they never get near the flinders ranges but still in their heads the car represents a dream that they may never they may never reach. Or even, too, that they would, might go camping, but they'll always go on graded dirt roads that you could take <laughs> you could take a Camry down, but it doesn't matter. You feel that your Subaru even, perhaps not rugged, but at least that technology that says I'm I'm a person that goes a little bit further. Yeah, I I really embarrassed a good a good friend of mine who was a serious off roader and, and camping type person, and we went up on a on a sort of outback camping thing, and I took the Audi A6 and went everywhere that his his off road vehicle would go with not the slightest problem, and he was he was a bit uh, a bit taken aback. And by the way, and it wasn't a press car. It wasn't a press car. It was my own car. Just 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 so that Audi know. <laughs> There is a glorious story of a bunch of rough and tough four-wheel drivers have driven to the top of this big sand mountain sort of thing, fought their way up, got up there, set up the fire, talking around there about how tough it was and how good their cars were, heard a rumble in the background, and then finally up came this guy in a valiant ute. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Are you sure it wasn't a rented Valiant Ute? It wasn't a hire car Valiant Ute? That would have been the ultimate. Indeed it would. Paul, it's always lovely to talk to you, and I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. And that's Paul Morell, a great friend of the program and motoring journalist, who we're talking about images, which has as much to do with cars as does technology.